0: saints this morning and i count it as a a god-given privilege just to be here with you and seeing your masked and seemingly smiling faces out there and um i stand up to at this time with a time uh leading in a time that we can all participate in and in this introduction of the Acts method of christian prayer this is a simple method that can uh Ensure that prayers are complete by remembering acts, not the book of the Bible, but the acronym, ACTS, method of Christian prayer. And it goes like this. The A is for adoration, uh, giving God praise and honor by speaking rightly about his character and about who he is as Lord over all. The C is for confession honestly dealing with sin in your life by confessing it to God through prayer and with a uh, repentant heart. And this week, we'll be focusing on the T, which is thanksgiving. This is verbalizing what you're grateful for in your life and in the world around you. So as we just think about this, um, a scripture comes to mind in 1 Thessalonians. 5 and 16. It says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This right here is a time where you get to pour your heart out. You get to actually recognize God for all the good things that He's done in your life, and not just for the good things that He's done in your life, but also just for who He is. We get to to remember what he's done for us, and we get to verbalize it with our own mouth. Nobody can do this part for you either. This right here brings you right up to, to a realization that I am satisfied and I'm happy with the way that God is leading my life. And this is a a time that we can just say, thank you, Jesus. This isn't a time that I'm going to pray thanks for you, but this is a time where we're going to open up our mouths together and we're going to remember the goodness of our God and we're going to remember what he brought us through. We're going to remember where he's brought us from and we're going to open up our mouth right now. If if you just take, take this moment just to remember and thank him.
1: just want to thank you Lord. Come on. Thank you Lord. Thank-
0: your mouth and say it. Thank you. You've been so good, Lord. Thank you, God.
1: Lord. say I just want to thank you, Lord, because you've been so good to me. You've been so good. You've been so Just want to thank you, Lord. You made a way. He made a way for anybody today. He
0: said you made a. Don't just sit there. He gonna made a way for you time and time again. Come on, open up your mouth and give it to him. You made a
1: way. You Lord, you made a way. Thank you. Say I just want to thank. Say I just want to thank. Say I just want to thank. Come on, thank Him, You Lord.
0: Amen.
2: Thank you, Lord. Even if we had 10,000 tongues, we cannot say thank you enough. We can never say thank you enough to the Lord for uh, all he's done. But like Brother McGee was saying, not just for all he's done, but just because of all of who he is. We thank you, Lord, for being so glorious, so great, and being so kind. Well, beloved, it's so good to be with you this morning as we gather for worship here at the church, gather that force. Uh, let's give Lord another hand, clap of praise for how he brought us through another week. It's all him. It's all him. It's all of his kindness, all of his mercy. So we're grateful unto the Lord. And if you have your copy of God's word with you or you got your de- Uh, Turn with me, open up with me, click with me to Matthew the 15th chapter. Matthew the 15th chapter, we'll be looking at verses 1 through uh, 20 this morning. Matthew the 15th chapter, verses 1 through 20, if you are able, in honor of the reading of God's Word, why don't you stand with me? Uh, Those at home, so good to have you. I pray that you are able to stand with us and to worship along with us, though we Uh, have uh, gathered a little little bit. We're still, the church, scattered, uh, but just to let you know, if you're wondering, we do have some more capacity on Sunday mornings, so feel free to come on on after we are regathering, and we're praying that uh, the Lord will continue to keep you in the midst of all that is going on around us. He has been faithful thus far. Matthew, the 15th chapter, verses 1 through 20. This is the word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ. Then Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother what you have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honor me with their lips. But their heart is far from me, in vain do they worship me, in vain do they worship me, in vain do they worship me. Teaching us the doctrines, the commandments of men. And he called the people to him and said to them, hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, do you not... Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? (laughs) He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guys. And if the blind leaves the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, Explain the parable to us. And he said, Are you still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. May Lord a blessing to the reading of His Word you may be seated. just want to speak to you on the subject this morning. Uh, is your worship in vain? Is your worship in vain? Why don't you pray with me this morning? O oh, Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be, blessed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, I ask on behalf of this entire congregation that your kingdom would come this morning. Father, that you would provide supernatural insight and clarity into your word. That you would cleanse us from all sin and unrighteousness. That you would indeed deliver us from evil. Father, I ask that you would manifest your tangible presence with us today and we would experience you through your word in new and marvelous and majestic ways. Father, please transform us not from the outside in, but from the inside out, that we would genuinely worship in spirit and in truth. Father, I pray that we have not got made up just to impress somebody else. I pray that we did not get up early and rise and waste our gas coming to show someone else something about us. Father, I pray that We have not walked through these doors wasting our time in order to place the focus on us, but Heavenly Father, King Jesus, my prayer is that we showed up to give worship and glory and honor unto you and to you alone. Father, may no other name have praise coming off Uh, our lips. May no other name be lifted high and exalted. May no other name be named that will cast down strongholds and break yokes and, and, and cause Satan to flee. Lord, there is no other name given amongst men by which we must be saved. Father, may our worship be to you, King Jesus. Help us to worship. Help us to honor you Please forgive us of our sins and unrighteousness, all that would hinder and prohibit us from hearing from you and seeing you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, may you cast it down that we would hear from heaven this morning. These are not mere words of man, but these are words of Christ Jesus. So, Father, even as I speak, Hide me behind thy cross. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And it is in the matchless and mighty name of King Jesus we do pray. And all of God's people said together, amen, amen, and amen. You know, have you ever uh, spoken to someone about a place a person or a thing and the first thing you hear that come out of their mouth is like don't waste your time with that don't waste your time uh, i remember uh, watching tv and i'm, I'm kind of a, a, a sucker for those asking on tv uh products yeah i see it on tv like oh that looks sweet we should get that and they got me one time i mean they got me good i, I was watching the the commercial for that roller hose you know, it, the, the hose, They you, 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 you hook it up, and then it fills with water, and it expands. But then when you turn the water off, it's supposed to shrink and, and roll back up. I was like, oh, that's sweet. We got to get that. And my uh, uh, kind, gentle, super smart wife told me, don't waste your time with that. I'm like, nah, we got to get this. I ordered it. First, it took like two months to get to the house, but it finally came. And when it came, the first thing I wondered, like, what am I going to do with this hose? I'm running outside to play with it. So I hook it up, and I turn it on, and that thing, it rolled out like five feet. I'm like, what? <laughs> I was so disappointed. I, I, and, and the first thing I'm thinking is, like, I should listen to my wife when she said, don't waste your time. Beloved, there's just some things in our life that we have to be mindful. Don't waste your time whether it's a restaurant, whether it's a, a, a special vacation, it may be uh, a person that comes around your sphere of influence. Sometimes we, we just have to be mindful not to waste our time. And when, and when I'm talking about don't waste your time, what I'm saying is that this, this thing, this place, this person, it, 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 at that mo- moment in your life or the season or whatever, they, they're just not investing your time in because— there's nothing that comes back in return and it's a waste of time and you will not receive a return on your investment and we should be mindful of not wasting our time because it's just two things that come to mind immediately first thing is time is short time is short we don't have a lot of time to waste you may think you got a lot of time but in this grand scheme of eternity and what god is doing we really don't have a lot of time but then secondly time is valuable. We don't because it's short it's a it's a premium commodity. We can't get it back. So we have to use it wisely in all that we're doing. So we don't want to waste our time, right? So my question today to all of us is is your worship a waste of time? And not in the, tr- the traditional sense here like uh, this this worship is not able to provide a return that produces holiness and uh, sanctifies you? Not, not, not in that sense, but is your worship a waste of time because you got the wrong object of worship? Is your worship really about the Alpha and the Omega? Is your worship really about King Jesus, or is your worship really about you? This is what I mean by worship. When we think about worship, it's not just showing up Sunday mornings, but according to Scripture, every single day that I'm living should be an act of worship to God. Whether I'm I'm parenting, whether I'm going to school, whether I'm going to work, whatever it may be, if if I'm living in a way that is pleasing and acceptable unto God, where he is a center, my life is now a act of worship, all that I'm doing. So don't get me wrong about Sunday morning coming in. This, this is just part of communal worship, but every single day you get up. So that means that the same worship you give on Sunday should be the same worship you give on Monday. The same worship you give on Sunday should be the same worship you give on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And Because if, if I'm going to worship God, then he has to be the center of everything every day. Every single day. See, but here in the text, the worship that the Pharisees are given, this worship from the scribes, this is a waste of time because this type of worship was just mere religion. This type of worship had no impact on their temporal or eternal lives. It was just going through the motions in order... To make themselves feel good about themselves, but it really wasn't doing anything for their lives. That type of worship is a waste of time. Our our main thought for today is simply this: placing your faith in religious tradition will always fail because Jesus alone purifies. Placing your faith in a religious tradition will always fail because Jesus alone purifies look at the context here in the text we have a delegation of the religious elites the religious leaders dispatched from jerusalem to come to where jesus is teaching and preaching they have come all the way from jerusalem to inspect jesus they have come all the way from jerusalem to see what he's talking about they have come all the way from jerusalem to see uh and affirm affirm jesus's ministry. They had certain expectations of Jesus. In this 13th chapter, many people had different expectations of Jesus. But here, the Pharisees particularly had a tribalistic, Pharisaic expectation of Jesus. What in the world was that? I made it up. What it is was the Pharisees and the religious elite really wanted to see if Jesus was one of them. Jesus, are you one of us? Do 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 you do you do you uh, live within our tribe? Do you uh, believe the things that we believe? The uh, do you uh, act like we want you to act? Do you uh, associate yourself with people that we have said are acceptable? Are you part of our tribe, Jesus? And they had the expectation because they were the religious elites in the culture that Jesus would submit himself to their authority and act like one of their tribe. Beloved, there are so many different tribes out there with so many voices and and if you say anything outside of that tribe, they want to come for you. They want to they strike you down. They want to stone you. But the only tribe that matters is if you are part of the, the tribe of Israel. If you, part of the, uh, if you are a, a king's kid, if you belong to Jesus, that's the only tribe that matters. And they were getting their, uh, their glory, their, uh, their value from being part of this tribe. But as we look at this text, I believe that there are two questions that, that are coming out from the text to us this morning. To help us examine our own worship. The first question is, is your worship centered on the word of God? Is your worship centered on the word of God? But then secondly, is your worship transforming your heart? Is your worship centered on the Word of God, or is your worship transforming your heart? Let's look at this first question. And here, your worship may be in vain if your worship is not centered on the Word of God. As the religious leaders come to Jesus, they, uh, they come before him, and this is not the first time that they have a problem with what the disciples are doing, is it? When we look back just to the, uh, the 12th chapter, uh, the, the, the religious uh, establishment comes to Jesus, and they say there, why don't, you, uh, why don't your disciples observe the Sabbath? So uh, they're, they're trying to interrogate Jesus, and they're accusing him, and they come here. But this, this situation is not about the Sabbath, but it's more about this ritual cleansing. This was a ceremonial act of worship, this washing of the hands, uh, and uh, looking at some, some Bible background commentaries, what it, what it was laying out is that uh, of, of all their ceremonial uh, acts of worship, this would be the most prominent, the most common, because why? Because everybody would eat multiple times a day. So, so people were washing their hands in this ceremonial way as an act of worship unto God. And, but here's the thing. In that ceremonial act of worship, that, that act was, was never prescribed by God in the scriptures for people. The closest thing that we can get to people washing their hands was back in Exodus the 30th chapter when God is laying out the duties of Aaron and his sons in the tabernacle. And he says in Exodus the 30th chapter that they are to wash their hands and to wash their feet before they serve the people in the, tab- in the tabernacle. That carries over into the temple. So nowhere else in the scripture does it say before you eat, you actually need to wash your hands. And we know for sure that this is purely a ceremonial act. This is purely uh, something that they do in front of other people to say, I'm part of the same tribe as you. I'm part of the same church as you. And the reason why is because, uh, again, in, in, in that background commentary, it was laying out how they were to use what was called a quarter log of water a quarter log of water is like an egg and a half worth of water so just an egg and a half worth of water and they would take that small portion of water and wash their hands and go up to their wrist so if any if anybody should know how to wash your hands it shows us right now right <laughs> when the pandemic hit I, I'm in a through, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Know, you know, you're supposed to sing "Happy Birthday." No use washing your hands, right? But, but here, this is not for cleanliness. So it's not like they're just dirty when they're eating. It is purely a a outward sign showing people that I worship God. And this is the problem because when they approach Jesus. They don't, they don't come talking about the scriptures. They come talking about the elders. What do they say? They come to Jesus and say, why don't your disciples follow the traditions of who? The elders. When they say the traditions of the elders, they were speaking of those uh, laws and rituals that that they had placed around the word of God, the law of Moses given on Mount Sinai, and these were additional Uh, instructions in order to uh, help someone to make sure they come before God in a proper way and uh, I'm certain that they would have begun uh, in a in a way that they meant well and they may have actually meant to uh, esteem the Lord and and to and and to make uh, God most holy but in doing so they began to create all these layers to holiness that God never prescribed and here, what they are saying when they, when they are saying to Jesus, why don't your, your disciples listen to the tradition of the elders? They're basically saying, all of our laws that have been passed down from generation to generation has the same authority as Scripture. The traditions of man had come to the same level as the, as the commandments of God and and the issue here is that these men let me pause for a second and have us really think about it because not only are is it like these men but these are the very people that Jesus created for this moment it was Jesus that that knew them before they were created it Before time even began, Jesus had already knew these men, and he had created and formed and fashioned them. And and the creation comes to the creator and says, why don't you submit to us? Beloved, I don't know about you, but there are so many times in our Christian walk or in a way of life where we come to God expecting God to submit to our wants and our desires. How do I know this? Because when God don't do what we want him to do when he want him to do, we say, I, I, "Why? Why God?" Or or we are we are so discouraged because God doesn't do what we want that we stop being faithful to him. When we turn our back on God because he's not performing how we want him to perform, basically we saying, "Lord, you're not submitting to my will. You're not doing what I want you to do. You're not obeying my commands." How dare we? how dare we the creation talking to the creator like that but this is exactly what they're doing to Jesus do not you and your disciples obey our commands but i love how Jesus answers because Jesus he always has an answer right you questioning me about your commandments and why and why do you break the commandments of god for the sake of your tradition Jesus flips the script, and now he puts them on the witness stand and begins to interrogate them and says, you talking about man's tradition? Well, what about God's traditions? And what God begins to bring up is this scheme, this this, this, this plot employ that that looks out the law of God and fills it with loopholes in order to do how, we, h- how they wanted to do. We don't act like that. We don't look at God's word and, and try to find a loophole to see how we can do what we really want to do but still say we obedient. We don't look for loopholes, do we? No, we don't do that. But the Pharisees, they were looking for loopholes and they found a loophole. In Mark the 7th chapter, it's called uh, Corban. And what it was is a person can say I'm going to uh, make a vow unto the Lord to give him an offering of X, Y, and Z, my house, all my possessions, no, no, whatever, they, uh, what, whatever vow it is. And, but in that vow, they could say, I'm giving all my money to the Lord, but they wouldn't have to give it to the Lord or to the temple till after they died. So they really wouldn't have to serve the Lord with their money right now just when they was dead. So then when people came up, was like, will not you let me hold 20? It's like, oh, I can't give it to you. It's to the Lord. I can't help you. It's, it's, it's for the Lord. But what they were doing that was so wicked was they got to the point where they were not even taking care of their parents. They weren't taking care of their fathers. They weren't taking care of their mothers, which they were supposed to do by God's commandment. But when, 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 their, when their father and when their mother needed medication, they say, I, ain't got, I can't help you. When they needed a ride to the doctor or uh, needed someone to go in for their appointment, they say, I, I really don't got time for you. They were dishonoring their parents, and what God is saying is, is, is you, in your wickedness, you're trying to find a loophole in my law based upon your own traditions. You know, it's like declaring bankruptcy but keeping all the money and still spending it. That's what they were doing. And then he goes on to say, so for the sake of your tradition, you have made the word of God. Whereas word of God in declaring honor your father and your mother was uh, an act that would cause people to serve someone else, their tradition actually had made god's word powerless and now they weren't serving others they were taking the power out of god they was making the word of god void and in doing so jesus declared them hypocrites hypocrites because on the outside they wanted people to think they were godly while on the inside they were nothing they were far from godly this is why Jesus calls them whitewashed tombs. On the outside, they look pretty good, but on the inside, they were filled with dead bones. And, and the warning for us today is it's easy to, to look like you love Jesus on the outside. It's easy to walk in here and to make us think that you're, uh, everything is good and, and you're being faithful. It's easy to, to even fool yourself to make you think you're following the Word of God, but, but have you rendered the Word of God void by, fi- by finding loopholes in, in your obedience? And then Jesus hits them with this. He's quoting Isaiah 29, 13. He says, well did well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commands of men. He's saying their worship is, is vain. It's, their worship is meaningless because they don't take my commandments seriously. They believe themselves over me. And, beloved, we can go through life believing ourselves over God how does that happen that happens sometimes when uh, a godly friend or someone who who who, who is godly comes to you in your life and say hey this I see this particular issue in your life and instead of humbling yourself and saying well maybe maybe I'm just blind in that area I do need help instead of hearing what that person have to say we get all defensive and get mad and well I don't want to talk to them no more I don't want them. Well, we see their number on our cell phone, calling or they're texting, and then we don't want. We just want, we won't respond. We've ghosted them because we don't want to hear what they really have to say. Even though God is trying to use them to get to your heart, beloved. Ultimately, this this vain worship of religion, religious tradition, is really about self. It's not about God at all. It's all about self centeredness. When the, they, they came all the way from Jerusalem to make the situation about themselves. Why don't you follow tra- the tradition of the elders? What, like, why don't you listen to us, Jesus? It's all about their glory. It's all about their name. It's all about uh, being obedient to them. Uh, Religious tradition, people will lay out a a particular religious tradition in order to control other people. But not only is it self-centered, it is uh, self-righteous. Because now you've created a false standard that you can meet, and now you really don't have to depend on Jesus for righteousness. And then when other people can't meet your standard, you look down on them like, oh, look at them. They don't pray five times a day. Look what they wore today. They, they need to be wearing something else. And, and, and we're looking down on other people in order to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. But ultimately, religious tradition is about self-interest because if they had really surrendered to the teaching of Jesus, and the teaching of the kingdom of heaven, they would have to give up their positions as leaders in the community. You know what they want? They, they were just using religion for the job that it gave them. It really wasn't about holiness. It really wasn't about God. It was about them uh, uh, stacking money for themselves. We may be thinking about how... How do religious traditions play out even now in, in our own lives? You may hear people say things like, uh, why don't you worship on Saturdays? The Sabbath is a Saturday. You may have grown up in the church and you've heard things like, uh, why, do you, why, do you allow the, why do you allow them women to wear pants in the church? And we have all, we, we, we know you know i don't have to go through every every uh example of religion we we, you know what religious tradition is don't they know that's my seat over there i sit there every sunday don't they know i pay my tithes why do we paint the wall green i can't go back there no more Or maybe you're counting on the religious tradition of, like, baptism. Because you were baptized at the age of five, six, seven. You 7, you, you, you think you're good before God. Or maybe you wrongly, as a parent, said, okay, uh, my child is, is at the age where they should be baptized. And, uh, Pastor, can you baptize my child? Do they know what sin is? Nope. Have they confessed Jesus as Lord? No. They just should be baptized. Tradition. Every second Sunday when we, when we come around with the elements to take communion, do you pick up the cup knowing what it really means or do you pick up the cup because you've always picked up the cup? Do you pick up the cup and examine yourself to see uh, what sin I may uh, be living in, what sin I have not forsook for Jesus, and I and, and, and haven't and have confessed your sin before the Lord, but you just pick up the cup? Because if you don't pick up the cup, somebody's going to look at me and wonder why I'm not picking up the cup. You know, all of that is religious tradition, but ultimately at the heart of it, I, I really think Jesus wants us to think about Any outworking of our life where we are the center instead of God. Any out so any time as I'm going throughout my day where I am the center of my own life rather than God being the center of my life, that's that's vain worship. Because on the outside, I'm actually thinking I'm doing something right, but it's just for me to feel good about myself. Don't come to church to feel good about yourself. Come to church to feel good about the grace that Jesus has given to save you from your sin. If you're in vain, it may be in vain if it's not centered on the Word of God, but then secondly, your worship may be in vain if it does not transform your heart. In verse 10, what Jesus, he goes on to basically say, your worship may give you clean hands, but it won't give you a clean heart. And he, and he, and he, and he calls the crowd to him and says, listen. This is, this is in front of the Pharisees, in, in front of the, the religious elites. And he said, listen to me. It is not about what, what, a, what goes into a mouth of a person that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. What is Jesus talking about, defile? That, that, that term defile, uh, especially in, in the sacrificial system, would be when a person is unclean. When a person has either touched something or done something that has made them unclean and unable to go into the tabernacle for worship. They're unable to worship because of something uh, going on on their person. It may be a boy, it may be uh, they touched the dead body, but, but something has taken place that has disconnected them from worship. And Jesus is saying, it's not what goes in you that disconnects you from worship. It's what comes out of you that disconnects you from worship. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful about above all things and desperately wicked. Who can trust it? I just want to follow my heart. No, don't follow your heart. It's sinful. And it's funny because when Jesus, he, he is completely undercutting the authority of the religious leaders because they're saying oh it's all about what you put in that makes you clean jesus says it's the exact opposite and when they hear how jesus has contradicted them because they don't follow jesus they get mad at jesus and the disciples say jesus did you know that like the pharisees were offended by what you said well you know what sometimes folks just be offended by truth how many friendships have you lost because you just said something true how many friendships have you lost because you decided I can't keep lying? I gotta tell the truth. And they're upset with Jesus, they're mad at Jesus because they see that Jesus is not part of their tribe. So they want to discredit Jesus. But what Jesus says is don't pay them no, don't don't pay them no never mind. Don't pay attention to them because, because every single plant that my father did not plant is gonna be rooted up. What he's he, he's kind of them back to the parable of the wheat and the tares they weren't sold by god they were sold by satan and he's saying that god is going to pluck them out because they have a defiled worship they will not enter into the kingdom of heaven and as a matter of fact if you want to follow them it's the blind leading the blind and both of you are going to fall into the pit both of you are going to head to hell because your, your worship is going to be rejected by God because you're, de- you're defiled. But praise God that Jesus gives us the answer though. Peter doesn't fully understand what's going on and he asks the question and, and ultimately Jesus, he lays out for him and he says, look do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? Whatever you eat whatever goes down got to come out that's why some of us stop eating spicy food ain't it but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart and this defiles the person for out of the heart comes evil thoughts murder adultery sexual immorality theft false witness slander. Jesus is saying that because the heart is the center of your will, your, your heart is like the engine. It's the, it's, the, it's the central processing unit of everything you do. And if your central processing unit is corrupt, then all of your behavior is going to be corrupt. And, and, and how Jesus lays this out, he, he's saying look at this list of sin. Evil thoughts. Murder—that's both physical murder, and we know Jesus. He, he raises the standard of murder, right? That if we if we angry with our brothers and sisters, we going off on them and cussing them out. That's that's murder. That's that's, that's murder in our heart. Adultery, sexual relationships outside uh, the covenant union of husband and wife. Sexual immorality again. Sexual intimacy outside the covenant of marriage. Theft, stealing lying, gossiping, lying on someone. What Jesus is saying and laying out these, and you notice, like I think like four or six of these are in the commandments, the Decalogue. He's going back to the word that came down from the mountain, not the word that came up from the man. And what Jesus is pointing out is that your horizontal relationships is reflective of your vertical worship. If if all your horizontal relationships are out of whack, out of control, full of drama, all messed if, if if your relationships with people are all messed up, then that is indicative of a vertical relationship that worship is not taking place. If, if all around you is just hell and chaos and controversy and you always in the middle of the issue, then maybe, just maybe, your vertical worship ain't right. And God is saying, when you look at your life, it's not just what you say that shows you are, 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 are a genuine follower of Jesus. It is how you live. The vain worship of this religious tradition, Jesus is saying it fails to purify hearts. Ceremony doesn't produce godliness. Outward acts doesn't produce godliness. It doesn't matter how many times you went to Bible study, I grew up in the church. Mama had us at church on Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday. Every time the church doors was open, we was at the church. Oh, yeah. Then why are you living for Satan? Nah. Because your vertical worship is defiled. You're disconnected from the mind We don't need external help. We need new hearts. This is why Jesus, writing through the prophet Ezekiel, says in Ezekiel 36, verse 25, you can't fix yourself, but I can do something. And he says, I will I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, defilement, and from all your idols, I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey my rules. What Jesus is saying is that you can't clean yourself up from the inside out, but I can. And I will pour out my spirit into you, and the Holy Spirit will begin to work in you in such a way that that which was unclean will now become clean. And not only will it be clean, it's going to stay clean when you belong to me. You ain't got to go back to the tabernacle or the temple every week to get your atonement on. I am the atonement. You don't have to keep uh, uh, slashing goats and ox. You don't keep. You don't have to keep giving an offering. I have been your offering. And I've promised to give you the helper, my Holy Spirit, to live and to rule and to reign within you and to sanctify you. Isn't that what sanctification is? When, when the Holy Spirit comes inside, the Holy Spirit says, Oh, look at this place. We got a, a lot of work to do, but we're gonna do it. And, and and the text of scripture says that he who began the good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. What does that mean? That means that if, if the Holy Spirit is in you and God has started working for you, he's going to finish the job. You ain't got to worry about Jesus walking off the job. You ain't got to worry about Jesus putting in his two-week notice. He said, I got a job to do, and when you come to me, I'm going to finish this job. So it doesn't matter where you at today or where you was yesterday or how low you feel about yourself today. If you belong to Jesus, he's going to clean you up. And when Jesus begins to clean us up, we begin to see a difference, right? See, ceremony, ceremony can't transform our hearts. But when the Holy Spirit comes in and begins to transform us, we see that we begin to grow in holiness, right? You don't, you don't have the same tastes. You don't have the same desires. You begin to grow in holiness. When the Holy Spirit lives within you, you begin to grow in your hunger for God's Word. You want to read God's Word more. You may not read it as much as you, you want to, but you, but you want to read it. And your heart begins to, to, to resound like Psalm 42, as the deer pants for flowing streams of water, so does my soul for you, and you just want more. And, and, and when you read Psalm 23, and it says, oh, the Lord is my shepherd, he, you're not just talking about somebody on a page of paper. You're talking about King Jesus that you know yourself because he is my shepherd. You begin to grow in your honesty before God and and before one another. So that means you can't keep fronting when you come up in here acting like everything all good when you know you're about to return back to hardships and, and, and chaos in your life. You can't keep putting on that fake smile. That is not honesty. And you begin to grow. Humility. You know you ain't got all the answers. Can 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 folks tell you anything, or do you, you got all the answers? I mean, don't look, don't look by the person next to you. Don't look, don't look. But do you do you always got an answer? Or can you listen? Humility and you be, again, growing in those areas when you have a new heart. Look, conformity to religion is not the same as conformity to Christ. Is your worship out of conformity or conviction? Do you seek to worship every day because you genuinely love Jesus or you just think it's the right thing to do and it makes you feel good? Just because you didn't cuss nobody out today on a job. But you know, in this text, this is this is, this is just a sweet text because we see here the inability of re, of religious tradition to save. Religious tradition cannot save. The vain worship of religious tradition; it lacks the authority and the ability to make all things new. The only thing that can transform us is the truth. The truth of God's word and the truth of who Jesus is because the word of God reminds us in John 8, 31 and 32, uh, and the truth will set you free. In John 14 and 9, Jesus reminds us, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And in John 17, 17, Jesus says, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Where are you getting your truth? Are you getting your truth from God's word or are you getting your truth from cable? Are you getting your your truth from TBN? Are you getting your truth from the, 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 the newest people out on the street? Where are you getting your truth? You have to get God's truth from the word of God yourself. But ultimately, we get our truth when we look to Jesus. When we look to Jesus through repentance and faith, when we say, Jesus, I believe I am a sinner in need of a Savior, and you are that Savior because you laid down your life and you died for me in order to restore this vertical relationship of worship that I would no longer be defiled, and I don't have to rely upon religious tradition for access because you've already given me access to the the throne room of God by your blood. Please come into my life and save me. Help me to turn to worship you and not myself and no one else. Beloved, ultimately, the main question that we need to answer today is, will your eternity be decided by tradition or by truth? Placing your faith in religious tradition will always fail because Jesus alone Purifies. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the Word, your word and the power that is found in your word. Thank you that you have promised to make all things new. And Lord, when we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, you come in and you transform us from the inside out, that we don't have to rely upon religious tradition anymore to try to gain access to you, but we have complete access through your life, death, burial, and resurrection, and you fill those whom you love with your Holy Spirit and you lead us into righteousness. You sanctify us, O God. Father, you've given us a win-win situation where you say work out your salvation with fear and and trembling and it is I who work in you to do the the way and the will of God. Lord, it's a win-win. So Father, I pray that You would come and correct our defiled worship by reviving, revitalizing, and renewing our hearts in Christ Jesus. Father, thank you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. How will you respond to God's word today? Will you receive Jesus as Savior by admitting that you are a sinner, believing?